ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Killer Bees broadcasting live from East River 9. Fantastic food. That The hot birch sandwich that they have is fantastic. Uh, it's a great place, too, for your social and corporate events, whether you want to do it inside, whether you want to do it outside. Uh, the beautiful view of the downtown skyline is fantastic. It's also a beautiful day today. Uh, still a few hours of daylight. It's only a nine-hole course, part three, so you can still play if you'd like. Pickleball. Uh, they have the driving range, really good food. What are you telling they me? They got your lights. And your, oh, they have lights. The lights are fantastic. That. I forgot that they had lights. I saw you doing this gesture. Really I was trying to do the lights things. coming down, yeah. You know? <laughs> I forgot that they had lights, yeah. That's a... Uh, and it's going to be a nice night, beautiful weather right now. Uh, so come on out, play some golf, hang out with us, have a drink, have a have a little uh, have a little bite. Great spot for dinner too. Great spot all together. Chewy's here. Chewy's at the bar. A bunch of people at the bar. Chewy's at the bar. He's got three phones. He's got three phones. He's also got two dudes that like, don't have ears anymore because he's talked them off. I'm like Chewy, what are you doing with these burners, man? And Chewy, well, you know, it's gotta, it's like a guy's got to do what a guy's got to do. All right, Chewy. Do what you got to do, man. I He's a man you. of the chicks and a man of the peeps. 9392 uh, professional hitter tider, title is going to Jake the Reg Myers. Okay, 9392. You belong on Bad yes, Take Boulevard does. and never text the show again. It's Jordan, right? Isn't Professional hitter? Jordan's professional hitter. Um, is it Braggy? He could, yeah, probably. Like Altuve's probably not what you would define as a professional hitter because he's kind of like he swings at everything. Yeah, like he hits tanks with balls that are three feet out of the zone. So probably not him as a professional hitter. Bregman probably is the closest because he think... doesn't strike out much. He has a really good eye, a good contact guy. Hits a few homers. I would go with Bregman as the professional hitter. I think Bregman's more the professor of hitting because he's such a scientist. He's always tinkering. He's always going to the videos. He's always like changing his swing. Whereas Jordan just hits for average. Hits for power, hits in big moments, hits bombs. I, I think the professional hitter going forward is Jordan, and the professor is, is, is Bregman because he's always in the lab, man. He's always in the cages. Yeah, seven one three seven eight zero espn The Texans play the Colts tomorrow. Cannot wait. See with C.J. Stroud's big game, C.J. and the pros. Can the Texans win a playoff-like game to get into the actual playoffs? And I'm curious the fear factor you have of these Colts' offensive weapons. Here was the the defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans earlier this week, Matthew Burke, talking about Jonathan Taylor. He's a good player, so we'll just start there. He's a very good running back, probably one of the uh, most patient backs uh, we've kind of played in a while where you think you have him bottled up, you think I'm bottled up, and he still can kind of squirt out. Um, You know, so a little different, like, even, like, than Henry, you know, who obviously, like, when he gets ahead of steam, I mean, uh, Taylor can really pick his holes and, and really find the gaps, and they do a really good job schematically. So, again, I always hate addressing stuff that's happened in the past here, but um, definitely a big challenge. He's, just, he's a very good player. He's a good back. I mean, he has everything, good vision, good patience, uh, can, can hit the big ones. He's obviously throughout his career, not just uh, against this team, but in general has had a lot of explosive runs. So uh, probably, probably our top challenge uh, for the week for sure. So it's interesting, the Texans, their season high in yards allowed on the ground actually came in that game. That was the most yards the Texans have allowed on the ground all year. Jonathan Taylor didn't play in the first four games for the Indianapolis Colts, so it's kind of different. The running game's different for Indianapolis now. They also didn't have Anthony Richards. They had Anthony Richardson, and they we're not going to have him now. What is the fear factor for Jonathan Taylor that you have from a Houston Texans perspective? Seguela 1-10. Um... 
seven and a half. Okay. I, 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 I watched him play his whole college career. I, I know what the guy can do. I know he's dynamic. I, you can talk about his patience all you want. He could do so many different things to hurt you, and, and he, he is really, really sh- shifty behind in between the tackles. He can get some. And, and maybe it helped It helped that he didn't play a, a, a grinded-out full season because I think he's going to be ready, and I think they have to be ready for him because, as we talked about, they don't want to sling it all over the yard. They want to control the ball. They want to control the line of scrimmage. They want to just make put Gardner Minshew in the best situations and short yardage, third down situations, and, and they're at home. And I think that he is the, the, the head of the snake in so many different ways. And so it, it worries me that, one, they've got to be healthy on the defensive side of the football, and, two, they've got to be able to contain them because it's nice when Grenard's holding one edge and, and, and Anderson's on the other to make sure he can't squirt out like they were talking about. Uh, but he's, he's got my concern and my utmost respect for sure. Yeah, not having Grenard stinks, but you really need Rankins and Collins to play. And, like, I, I like the other guys. I like Davis. I like Heinish. Like, they're fine as backups. I, the Tart guy had a good game against the Titans. They're, played, yeah. But I don't want them starting this game. I don't want them playing over 50% of the snaps. I want them to be supplemental pieces. They're playing a quarter of the game. They're playing a quarter of the snaps. I need Collins to be healthy. I need Rankins to be healthy. So it kind of throws a wrench into the conversation when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. I mentioned earlier, Texans, uh, the most yards they've given up in a single game this year was against the Colts in Week 2. I think it was like 128, which is actually pretty good for a season high. Like, if that's the most yards you give up in a single Richardson game, had at least 128, one that's chunk pretty good. Run in that. Yeah, but he only played two series. I think no, he I had like that, 30 yards maybe in that game. I don't yeah. think it was anything crazy, but he did have – he had well, he had – That's a quarter of – The second possession, he ran for a 15-yard touchdown. Yeah. The first play of the second possession after Deshaun – after uh, C.J. Stroud got strip-sacked and lost the football. I – I feel strangely confident with the Houston Texans against Jonathan Taylor. Would it surprise you if I told you that Jonathan Taylor has not had a 100-yard game on the ground this year? No, because he's been dinged up. And, and Surprised it, me. It, because of the fact that he got such a late start, and then and I had him on my fantasy team, and he did really well statistically. He still scored touchdowns. Listen and, to this and card, but No, I'm just, I'm just saying I drafted him. <laughs> I think we talked about it as we a did. show. Where, where is he valuable to Yeah, draft? and I got him in like a late round and I thought, remember. well, yeah, and – so I think that from a fantasy perspective, that's why it would throw people off. But I think, remember, he had the thumb injury as well as sitting out and then really getting a, a late start. So it would be surprising if he played every game. But I think because he didn't, that's why it's not so as shocking. But that's why I said I think he's going to be really super fresh, too. Yeah, I, it stunned me whenever I looked and he hadn't he hadn't ran for 100 yards this year. Uh, so I was I was surprised to see that. But the Texans are one of the best teams against the against the running game this year. D'Amico's scheme is built for stopping the run. The defensive tackle's playing. I need those guys to play badly. Because if you're starting Davis and Heinish versus Collins and Rankins, like that's the te- that's two different stories. Two different stories. So if Rankins and Collins go, I'm kind of like at a five. Mm. I'm like at a five, and I hesitate. I, I, like we're going to put this on Bad Take Boulevard. That's why like, I hesitate to say that, but I ain't scared. Give me a five. This Houston Texans run defense, I believe in it. I believe in it. Jonathan Taylor's dynamic. I think he's fantastic, but I believe in the D'Amico run defense. It's a five for me it's on f- Jonathan Taylor. It's a four for it's a me. five. Oh, you're even more confident than me. I, just, I, I think this Texans run defense is good, and I haven't seen – Everything that Matt Burke described about Jonathan Taylor there, I feel like he's watching tape from two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I haven't seen that guy this season. Like, it's not just, it's the yards per carry. Like, I don't see the explosiveness. Like, even when he came back and he was healthy, they still were favoring Zach Moss at times. 
over Jonathan Taylor, like, by design. So it's like I don't even think the Colts at this point the whole year have believed he's what was what he once was. And so I think it's like a four. I'm scared of him. No, they just keep stopping everyone. Like, they're not they're not getting gashed in the run game. The one thing you should, I think the most confident in on this Texans team is the run defense. I think if you get a good rotation in the defensive line, too, because I agree, Collins and Rankins are huge. Tart, when he played, played well. I, I think that they've got some big bodies that are going to help to congest the middle of the line. But Grenard being out, that one edge being a, a bit of a concern for me. And like I said, I think if he's fresh, he's still dynamic. He's not over the hill. He can do some things. So I just personally have have, have a bigger fear. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Let's continue this on the other side. What's your fear for Jonathan Taylor? What's your fear level for Gardner Minshew? What's your fear level? For Michael Pittman, 713-780-ESPN. Killer Bees broadcasting live from East River 9 on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5.com. Fighter of the night, man. One is screaming, he's so happy. The other screaming, a passionate shout, it's the night, man. We now return you to the Killer Bees. Live in the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River 9. Here are the bee's knees. Nuts! Joe Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Real mature, Spencer. Uh, Killer Bees broadcasting live from East River 9 in Edo. Food is fantastic. Drinks are fantastic. The golf is fantastic. The pickleballing is fantastic. And business starting to pick up. It's picking up nicely inside of East River 9. Uh, Come out out here tonight, be here tomorrow for some live music, be here for the Texans game. Wall-to-wall TV here inside uh, the River House sports bar atmosphere. Fantastic. This was actually the site that two-thirds of us were at on the top Houston sports moment in 2023. We were all here. You you didn't stick around. Oh, no, I eventually had to go. Yeah, I eventually had to go before the home run. The top sports moment was Jose Altuve's home run. Top sports moment, as voted by the Killer Bees, was Jose Altuve's home run in Game 5, and that's where we were here. We were here when it happened. So great moments are born from great opportunities that happen inside of the River House on the banks of the, what is it, the Buffalo Bayou? Is that the yes, Buffalo Bayou? Yep. There you go, inside the uh, River House at East River 9. So the fear factor that you have, we, we've got to Jonathan Taylor. Blankers was at a 7.5, I'm at a 6. Uh, Joe George is at a 5, which makes me very hesitant. You said a 5 or a 4. You said a 4, didn't you? You said 5. I said yeah. 5, you said 4. I said, four. Four. said four. I'm trying to doctor it a little bit. I'm trying to doctor so we're not overconfident. No, I just screwed up. That's my bad. All right, so Michael Pittman, the next one. DJ Bianami doesn't think much of Michael Pittman. Uh, Matthew Burke, defensive coordinator for the Texans. Actually, he's talking about Gardner Minshew here. Let's get to Minshew before Pittman. Here was Burke talking about the new quarterback for the Colts. Not really new, but you get my point. Gardner Minshew's skill set. I would just say, like, the structure of the offense. You know, it's it's an RPO-heavy offense, so it's all built in, and he does a really good job. Um, I would say his skill set marries up. Uh, with the scheme in terms of just being able to whip the ball out and all those things. And there's always outlets. Uh, every run that they have has some sort of outlet built in that he can just take if he likes to look, if he's got off coverage, if, if he's reading somebody, depending on, on, again, schematically how they're set up. So um, he does a really good job of just getting the ball out of his hands quick. So uh, some of that's going to play into... You know, a lot of those are built into the run game, so it's about us stopping the run and then being, you know, tight in those windows uh, where all those outlets are. So uh, it's going to kind of go hand in hand with the front and the coverage. Three, four, five, one. Texans have a history of getting torched by backup quarterbacks, a la Joe Flacco. What's your fear factor for Gardner Minshew? 
quarterback, Indianapolis Colts. I think my fear factor is, look, I, I, I give Minshew a ton of credit, but I think my fear factor is Shane Steichen's going to dictate a lot of what Gardner Minshew does and make sure that he keeps him at his, out of harm's way and, and free of mistakes as much as possible. I think the offense, because of Steichen in the way that he outcoached D'Amico in week two, no matter who was the quarterback, shows you that Gardner scares me because I, don't, I think he's got enough NFL experience that he is going to be able to handle the situation, that he's not going to panic, that he knows that if he just does what he's supposed to do in the offense, that they have playmakers to make plays like Pittman and Taylor and others. So I think that I'm kind of at a, a six with Minshew. I think the weapons could maybe pump that up a little bit, but just Minshew alone, six. I don't think they're going to keep him out of harm's way. Like, this is a must-win game. I think the whole harm's way thing's out the window. It is very interesting to me how similar the offense is with Gardner Minshew, and I know Anthony Richardson didn't play a whole lot, but the offense hasn't changed a whole lot. Now, Richardson's going to run more, Minshew's going to throw more, but what they're doing schematically is similar. It's almost the exact same. But like he mentioned, because of the all the RPOs, mm-hmm. he that's the way he keeps out of harm's way. A little way. hesitation. Yeah, yeah a little defense bit. on their heels, things like that. Now, Minshew was pretty good in that game against the Texans. He was 19 for 23, 171 yards, a touchdown in that game. Uh, so he wasn't bad in that contest. He's also a backup quarterback. I think he's good for a backup quarterback. I don't think that he's like this stud. I would have uh, Minshew, my fear of Minshew mania. I have it as a five as well. That's where I'm at with uh, Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I'm, right, I'm right with Joel on this one. It's a six. Like, he's a solid quarterback. They do a lot of easy stuff, which, like, the Texans have kind of struggled with, like finding a way to get pressure quickly, you know, to stop the dink and dunk and just move it down the field. I feel like he doesn't make those, like, massive, massive mistakes either. He just kind of takes literally the easiest stuff that's in front of him. So, like, it's like a six. Maybe he'll get a good big play in there once in a while, but he's not he's not a super threatening quarterback. I think the other thing, too, is, is like, if you think that the best backup quarterbacks are, like, fives average I think he's slightly yeah. above average. He started in the league. He's still young enough. He can run a little bit. And, and I think, again, like I said, because of system and coach, too, I think that that system, the way he's been in it all year, yeah, he's a backup, but he's been predominantly the starter the entire season to where now I think he's, it's different than looking at him as just a standard backup. And, and so I, I, I nudge it up just a little to that six. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What's your fear factor on Taylor? What's your fear factor on Minshew? Let's do the last one that we're going to do here, and it's Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman, who I think is a, a really good receiver. I don't think he's put up the numbers of some of the elite receivers, but I think he's like I'm not going to call him first tier talent. But we we sleep on the fact that he had over a hundred catches this year and eleven hundred yards. We sleep on the fact that he caught ninety nine passes last year. We sleep on the fact that he had almost eleven hundred passes or eleven hundred yards. Uh, three years ago. like the, do- the guy produces in what have been not-so-great offenses. Uh, Michael Pittman, where's your fear factor for him? I'm at like a 7, a little, maybe even a little high, but I'll stay. I'm right at about a 7 because of the fact that I think the offense matters. And when we're talking about an offense in this situation, because of the RPOs, because they're run-heavy, because they like to, to basically control the, 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 the clock and do some things, and it starts because Minshew's the quarterback. I think if you take a Michael Pittman and you put him in a different offense to kind of contradict a little bit of what DJ said, I think if you put him in the Texans' offense, I think if you put him in offenses that are a little more pass-driven, I think he excels even more. I think he has the ability to be an even better wide receiver one. But in this offense, especially if you struggle to, to, to and you have to focus more on stopping the run, I think that he can hurt you in a lot of different ways. And so I think that he might be, to me, the biggest weapon that I worry about on the Indy offense. I think he's at a seven. He's a free agent in the offseason. 
talking about, you know, him with Stroud kind of, ooh, that looks pretty. Um, he's at an eight for me. I, I think he's the, one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. The other part of this, how I anticipate the Houston Texans playing defense against. Like, the, the Texans play tons of zone defense. Michael Pittman's great against zone defense. Why? I don't know, because he's a good route runner. He's a big target. Able to find the windows, I guess. I guess those are the things that make you good in, in zone versus man coverage. And you also, like, I, I don't think that the Texans are going to travel Derek Stingley against Michael Pittman. Like, D, D'Amico Ryans has flat out answered the question saying that's not who we are. And the only time that D'Amico Ryans all year traveled Derek Stingley was for for one series when Amari Cooper was roasting the Houston Texans secondary, and it was also when Steven Nelson was out of the game. The moment Steven Nelson came back in the game, they stopped traveling Derek Stingley. It was literally for one series the entire year. So because of that, I'm at an eight for Michael Pittman. I think if the Texans are to lose the game, Michael Pittman has a huge one. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Uh, seven, eight, like either one you want to call it. I think he. I agree with what you guys are saying. He's he's a super talented wide receiver. Like you look at the raw numbers. Just think what he would do with a real quarterback. Like, he, he's played with Carson Wentz and, and Matt Ryan yep, and Gardner yep. Minshew, and, like, his numbers are just consistently there, 100 catches, 1,000 yards. Like, he, he's just – he's always in that category. So, he's an eight for me because he, he's the biggest threat on that team. Like, week in and week out. Like, yes, I like Josh Downs. I, I like – you know, I like Pierce when you guys were talking about him earlier. But Pittman's the one that, like, he's going to ruin your day. Potentially. And I, you know what, Joe? The, the, I, I liken it to a smaller sample size Andre Johnson argument if he'd have played with a better quarterback. Because that that's when, when you were talking, that's the first thing I said before it even came out of your mouth was he played with Wentz and he played with Matt Ryan when they didn't have anything left in the tank. Can you imagine what he could do if he had a consistently good young quarterback? That's why I thought about what he would be in this Texans offense with a guy like CJ. Could he prosper even more? Could he flourish even more with a guy that can put the ball? Because I do think he, he, can, he can sit in the hole. He has great, he's very perceptive in finding out in the zone coverages where the hole is and gets in there to be open. I think with a better quarterback, his numbers would be, I won't say substantial because those numbers are good, yeah. but I think he could be a really strong one. See, I think they would be substantial. Like, if, you, if he was in Kansas City right now, I think he catches 120 passes and oh, yeah. 1,400 yards. Like, I, I think it would be uh, a huge leap. That's why I, I'm interested. I kind of feel like that's where he's going to go. I'm intrigued by his like, – oh, I don't know the year? Chiefs cap situation. Yeah. I, have, I don't know the Colts situation either. Like, I don't know who's, who's coming free for the Colts, but I imagine they're going to do everything in their power mm. to keep Pittman for Anthony Richardson. And if they don't have, like, another key free agent, you're just placing the franchise tag. Uh, on Michael Pittman. So I would be a little surprised if he even, like, reaches free agency. Uh, it would be very intriguing if he did, though. So it does beg the question, do you travel Stingley with Pittman? Like, we asked DJ earlier. I, he was kind of a – he poo-pooed on the idea. Where are you at on it? I, I would. I looked at the numbers on Cooper a little bit, and I know that when when he was traveling with Cooper, I think he had, like, five catches for 40-some yards. He did have a touchdown. But at the same time, when you look at what Cooper did overall and you know how big of a weapon he was in that offense – then you make sure your best corner is on him at all times and you try to take away that weapon. I think the same thing with the Colts. We talked about the fact that we we know that Taylor's going to and the running game is what they're going to try and focus on, but they're going to try and beat you a couple of times, and he's the guy that they're going to go to w- with the big plays on the line, I think. And so I would travel Stingley and say, I'm taking – I'm a Belichick guy here on the, from, from a defensive perspective. I'm taking – to me, your biggest weapon, because I do think they stopped the run very well, your biggest weapon, fear factor for me-wise, is Pittman. I take him away. I put Stingley on him the whole game. Yeah, see, the, the interesting part of this, because I'm a travel Stingley, too. 
the interesting part of it is that the Texans play primarily zone defense. So it kind of throws an interesting wrinkle. If they're primarily a man defense, I think you see this a lot more often. There's some coaches that think that you know traveling a corner, tips your hand on what you're doing, man zone, I think that's a silly notion. Just flip the package. Just flip the play. Uh, just have, you know, if, if Pittman lines up to the left side of the offense, that means Stingley lines up to the right side of the offense, which means he's traveling because he normally lines up on the left side. Just flip what you're doing in zone coverage. The, the Broncos do it with Sertan all the time. So I'm, I'm always an advocate for traveling, always. Even if you're a primarily zone team, like even if you're 60% zone defense, who cares what side your corners are when you're playing zone? I'd rather have the best corner on the side of the best receiver. I don't think you're really tipping your hand if you have that you know, philosophy and that idea. Uh, so I'm a fan of it. I, I don't expect to see it, though. I agree with DJ. I'm not worried about Steven Nelson's feelings. I can promise you that. Yeah, but the way DJ said it, I'm out on Steven Nelson. Don't bring him back. Because you're worried about his feelings and stuff? Like, if, like the way DJ said that, like, and what we've see, seen from Steven Nelson, like the, the Instagram post with the vest when he didn't get his new contract, just the way DJ said that. Yeah, he's like, a captain. Like, I mean, like, he's a captain. I understand, but, like, just I don't think DJ says that without being pretty confident that, like, Steven Nelson is, like, a maybe a little bit of a problem or, like, he would have the big problem if you chose to follow Sting from one side to the other. Yeah. That, to me, red flag, find someone else to play corner for you next year. And, like, I mean, whatever this weekend, but next year. I'm yeah, out. contract's done. You can get out from under it. You, I agree with that. I mean, you got to do what's best for the team at that standpoint. From that standpoint, they took care of you. No matter how sensitive you were, they took care of you. But at this point in the season, I can't worry about a, a veteran that's that's got some tread on his tires, too, that's contract is expiring, getting his feelings hurt. If I feel like the best way to advance and, and get into the playoffs and solidify a spot is to take my best young corner and put him on their best receiver. The, the, I hear everything you're saying. The only hang-up I have with this is that he's a captain. Like, if all these things are true, why is he a captain? Like, he was named a captain after the – a sweater vest emoji. He was named a captain after signing the extension. Like, they wouldn't even an extension. It was just a raise is what it was. So, like, he but, must be well-liked. But if like, he, most, no, they I must think trust well him liked and respect in, him and stuff like that. I think he's well-liked in the locker room, but I think at that point then some of the guys that like him the most got to go to him and go, bro, don't take this as a personal slap in the face as much as this is what we need to do to just get to the next round. We're going to need you in the next round and, 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 and wherever the, the, the next situation To be fair, depends. he didn't do this. This was DJ speculating. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's no, right, for sure. right, right, right. right. No, but like, we've all speculated that like Laramie Tunsil is not a high-effort guy all the time when he's not playing for a contract. And he doesn't help his quarterback up. Or if his was, team is out of the playoff line. And he's a captain. Yeah, like I sometimes I think the judgment of professional athletes is a lot worse than we give them credit for. Sure, watch Shady McCoy on television, but their plights are very different. Like the plights of '78, like he signed the extension, whereas Nelson's like posting emojis about his general manager. Yeah, I just to me it's like I I'm fine with not also, which I'm know, okay with your idea too. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm I'm fine with Stingley not following him because it still shuts down half the field for an average quarterback. Like, you still make his life harder if he wants to avoid throwing at Stingley the entire game. Last weekend, Stingley had no targets towards him. So, like, if you're, you're shutting off half the field with him just being there, so, like, they're going to focus on the other side. So, I, I'm, I'm fine either way, but I will say this. If Pittman's torching you mm-hmm. and you're not following him with Sting, in this game, you better change your philosophy. And fast. And, like, yes, like, after, like, one bad possession. The problem, like, to that theory, too, is, is like, well, you know, he's taking away one half of the field. You can certainly defend it with Nelson and safety play. 
Safety play's been safety poor, safety really bad. bad. So like, like really that, the, bad. The, the idea of we're not going to travel our best corner because he's going to take away one half of the field. So the other team's going to counter by playing Pittman on the other side of the field, and now he's being defended in a zone of Nelson and a really bad Jalen Petrie. Uh, Michael Z, fear factor across the board of four. We're going to win this game handedly. I hope you're right. Uh, also, I think Minshew might be a little, a little better than five and six. Uh, how much better is Brock Purdy than Minshew? From a talent standpoint, I hear you, but Purdy's offense is just, I mean, he's in an unbelievable offense. A uh, bigger fear is Stroud balled out the first Colts game, and we still got hosed. He balled out in the fourth quarter when we were late. down by 21. Now, I'm not going to say it was garbage time and that we can just throw that those numbers in the trash can, but like when he balled out based on where the game was, I think matters. Plus, yeah, I mean, and where it was in the schedule, right? I mean, the fact that this was, what, his second game of the year? Second or third game of the second game of the year, and he was still learning things and getting his feet wet. And we, it wasn't the CJ that we saw develop throughout the course of the full season. So yeah, I mean, it, 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 going back to D'Amico's point, this is a totally different. These are both totally different teams than we saw in week two. But I think for the benefit of the Texans, because so many guys progressed so quickly, like CJ Stroud. Uh, it's 80-74. Colts don't scare me. Texans playing a big game and crapping the bed. It feels like any big game we get up uh, for a we get a big disappointment. Uh, hope D'Amico changes that. Uh, uh, that's a terrible attitude. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees broadcasting live. East River 9, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. And we return. It's everybody's favorite game. It's Who Said It with the Killer Bees next on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. I don't get it. There are things in this world that we will never fully understand. Understand. It's now time for the mega producer, Joe George, to do what he does best, and that's stumping. No one can stump the best stumpler in Stumpville, and that's Stumpy Joe. Stumpy Joe. What happened to Stumpy Joe? The official explanation was he choked on vomit. Today, Stumpy Joe will try to stump the killer bees with who said it. Let the stumping begin. Let's get stumped. This is probably going to be the best uh, who said it we've had in the last 12, 13 months or so. It's everybody's favorite game. Uh, Brian McDonald's back at Gal today because Joe's out here today. He couldn't make it all the way to the station after his day off and birthday yesterday. So Brian's going to say five quotes that have been said by ESPN 97.5 personalities. Joe uh, Blankers and I will guess it, and then we'll play the clip, see if we're right, see if we're wrong. Now, um... Is there any changes, any different rules no. here now that uh, we've had some changes in the lineup? No, same same rules from, at least from when I've run it, it's the same rules. Uh, no Joe, like Joe's not used at all? Joe's not used, no producers used, uh, but uh, double ups are allowed. Double ups are allowed, okay. Joe's more than a producer, though. I, I didn't I mean, label him as only a producer, but he, he is not included in this. Okay, Jeremy wouldn't agree, but. What's that? That I'm more than a producer. I think from three to six, all you should be is a producer. Fair. Yeah. There you go. All right, quote, quote number one. All right, quote number one. Do your voting thing, people. Get Alpi in the All-Star game. Do they have internet in Turkey? I just didn't know if it was one of those countries that banned their citizens from, like, the internet or something. Huh. It kind of feels lancy. One, you're going to have to care about individual accolades, so it couldn't be me. Um, I, could see, I could see anybody saying this. I almost feel like Paul wouldn't, though. No. Because I think Paul's, like, weird and quirky where he knows like all of the internet's in turkey he's worldly a little bit yeah i think he could tell you like what kind of internet they use in turkey yeah gut feeling to me was lance and then the follow-up was as much as beard loves basketball and luca and the mavs and all that yeah but would he even would he would he 
would he admit that he doesn't know about Turkey? He's got military background. That's He's true. traveled, you know? I think this was, a, this was a John and Lance conversation. I really okay. do. Uh, and, and I just feel like Lance is the kind of guy that would kind of quirkily make that little comment on top of it about Turkey. I'm cool with this, and you have a better hand than me. At this, so I'll, uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you shoot first. See if you're, I'll give it a shot. See if you have the hot hand. Let's go with Lance Erline, Brian McDonald. Do your voting thing, people. Get, oh, it's get out oh, in it. the All-Star uh, game. Do they have internet in Turkey? I just didn't know Michael, if it was one of those countries where they ban their that citizens is... from like, the internet or something. See, Beard was pretending like he knew about the internet in Turkey. <laughs> he has no idea, but he pretended like he did. Uh, I Yeah, Connor was in my mind, but I, I was I, okay. I would have said Lance, too, though. So, 0 for 1. All right. We're 0 for back 1. against the wall. All right, yeah, give a chance for you to get uh, back on the board here with a short one. The cows are sacred, right? Is the is the dung sacred too? What? Wow! Can you repeat that? Thought you want them to? No, but I. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes or no? Yeah, repeat it if you could. All right. The cows are sacred, right? Is the dung sacred too? <laughs> this also sounds like a John and Lance. I could. Could they be talking about the the daisy dips? No, so I don't milk, think so. There's milk involved. It's dairy. Yeah, it could be, I and mean, that's a Granado thing. But I think it's more likely to be news of the weird, like something that's sacred. What are they like talking a story like about? That? Where like a cows, like cows are sacred. sacred. Brian adds like a short answer is going to like be helpful. Short. You can't the give worst. us context of the conversation, Brian. No, I don't really know the context of the conversation. Oh, okay, that's good. Um. I was wrong on the first one. It feels John and Lancey news of the weird to me. It feels like either one of them. Who Who's more likely to use that term? Paul. Oh. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually true. Do you think, are you leaning that way? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I'm leaning anyway. With this I, 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 I mis, misguided you on the first one. It see, I can like see this lands. being used as weird, though. I think it's a good call. And if one of them said that, would it be more Lance or Granado? I think it'd be more Lance. I think you're right. That term alone, I thought it was Granado, but that term alone feels Lancey. You want to go back to back Lance? Well, I was wrong on the first one. So. I'm okay doing that, though. Let's go. You want to do it? Go ahead. All right, let's go Lance uh, again. The cows are sacred, right? Are they, oh, is the dung oh, sacred, man. too? I said I, I thought it was Granado, but you're right. The term sounded Lancey. Uh, yeah, it didn't sound like a Granado term, man. Granado just never stops amazing me. Never. Man. Okay, we'll, we'll bounce back. We've done this before. We've got to go three in a row. All right, Brian. All right, here we go. Quote number three. They care about us so much. This is about the Michigan cheating scandal. They care about us so much that they're willing to cheat for our pleasure. It's just like Jesus dying for our sins. The same thing. This sounds poly it does why would he say they oh you know what he's probably talking about all the cheating that goes on patriots. with the patriots and patriots. the astros patriots in fact i think i saw him tweet about how the astros patriots and michigan should all lean into this i feel it yeah i think this is yep. this is paul all right paul yep. go on brian they care about us so yeah. much cool all that right. they are willing yeah, we'll to cheat i think <laughs> never mind <laughs> let's just go on to number four you don't want to keep going there? No, I didn't want to say what I was going to say. No. All right. All right, question number four. I got a buddy who's tight. 
<clears throat> I'll start over. I got a buddy who's got type 1 diabetes. Don't slap him. I like to slap him repeatedly, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Patrick? Is he still eligible? No. Oh. I have a... Say it again. Sure. And yeah, just for clarification, Patrick is not eligible. I got a buddy who's got type 1 diabetes. Don't slap him. I'd like to slap him repeatedly, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Maybe Beard? Yeah, I was thinking buddy talk is normally Granado and his buddies from golf in the bar. Yeah, but is he going to slap diabetes guys? Or Paul on his excursions going out. No, but- Paul doesn't hang out with fatties, though. Wow. Oh, he would okay. be the first person to tell you that. Um, I, could, I, I, I was not considering Connor and Beard. Who were you were considering the bench? I was thinking I was I was thinking from a buddy perspective, but we we've, we've already. Kinda... I don't think Renato would say like the way that it was said. Although I thought that about question two and was terribly wrong. I think if this was a bench one, this would be Lance. So you're thinking it's it's Connor and Beard? No, I think it's either Lance or Beard. Lance and I don't know if Beard. I don't know if Beard usually talks about this. Would Beard talk about like slapping people around? Like I know he'd say, "Well, I could beat him in a fight," but what do you talk about slapping people around? Like it's kind of bullyish. Would you eliminate Beard Connor doesn't... from being back? At... Yeah. Because I could see Connor saying it. Really? I could. Yeah, I guess I could too. Now that you mention it, or maybe those three. You call it. Give me it one more time, please, Brian. All right. I got a buddy who's got type one diabetes. Don't slap him. I'd like to slap him repeatedly, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Did that yeah, give could, you a I revelation? Could, I could nah, not a, re- a revelation, but I could hear Connor saying it. Okay. I, I'm one of those three. So we're Connor, Lance, or. Beard? I kind of I'm I'm willing to rule Beard out. I am too. Yeah, so let's cross him out. One of those two. Now we have not used Lance yet, right? No. They're gonna be double ups, but no, no I've not used Lance, and we have used Michael Connor. Which way you leaning? <laughs> I don't have a good feel. And Paulie's out. See, I, the more I hear it, the less I can hear Lance say it, like yeah. slapping people yeah. around. I kind of agree. You think it's I, Connor? I, I think it's Connor or Paul. I don't think it's Paul. Okay. I don't think it's Paul because, again, I really don't think Paul hangs out with fat people. Then, then call it. Did he say cousin or did he say buddy? Buddy. Yeah, I don't think it's Paul. Then let's, then let's go, Michael Connor. All right, I got a buddy that's got type one Renato. diabetes. Don't slap. See, and I went to the buddies. I'd like Renato. to slap him. Yeah, 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 but... buddies. Man, my bad. It's all right. We'll, we'll take the L this week. A little Granado mobster just bullying people, shaking them down. Slapping them around. Right, they do call that. him the Godfather. I know. Slapping people around. Maybe, was it a way of love, though? You know how sometimes you see those mob movies and they're like, slap them on the cheek and like, oh, I love you, son. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, they kind of slap on yeah. like, almost like a term I, I just, The buddy term, I think, was always associated with me with either John or Paul. Dang it. All, All right, right, let's question go. Question five for fun. All right, number five. And this is uh, regards to uh, what's happened this week with Jason Whitlock. Hey, maybe he watches porn on his computer or something like that, and that's why that's happening. And to each their own, personally, I'd like to keep it away from my computer because I don't want the virus. See, I think there's only one person that was willing to go there. Paul? Yeah. I think it's. A, I think. I think so. I want to say on Twitter, Beard was responding to or commenting on this whole Whitlock thing. So I would say, I, first, I'm with you. First blush, I say it's Paul. And if there's another beard. guy that it could be, it would be Beard. I could see it being Beard. You call it. You, you're, you're, you've had a better day than I have. Um, 
One more time, please, Brian. Hey, maybe he watches porn on his computer or something like that, and that's why that's happening. And teach their own personally. I like to keep it away from my computer because I don't want the virus. You don't have any. I think I think it's the more I hear it, the more I think it's beard. Yeah, I, like I know that he was on Twitter talking about it. And we got nothing to lose yeah. anyway. We'll go beard. All right, Josh Beard. Hey, maybe he watches porn on his computer or something <laughs> oh, well. like that, and that's why that's happening. And, and get a bad one. The wrong the person. I can't wait for Joe to do who said it next week. <laughs> Brian, was that a one for Joe. four? Same. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was one for five, Brian. But yeah, no, it was one for four, four or five total. It was one for five. Right, now we're getting to the five. weeds. One yeah, and one four, we or went one, one for five, and four, yes. but it was one for five. Oh, right, right, right. Like a, you know, we had an at bat. We had five at bats. We only got one hit. All right, we stink. Killer bees. You hit at the Jake Myers level. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> We're defensive first. Killer bees. Uh, NFL play, uh, the NFL PA had, had a survey where they were ranking top coordinators. Not one Texans coach. Is that a good thing? How many on this list become head coaches this cycle? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Guys, I want to tell you right now about a guilty pleasure you should all have with all these big sporting events coming up on the horizon. I know a lot of you guys are even talking about resolutions and all those things. You know it that you get an exemption for big games, and that's where you got to consider Daisy Dips. Daisy Dips, best dips in the business when you want that big bowl of chips, when you want to dip some wings, when you want to dip some veggies because you're trying to eat healthier. The fact is you want them to taste good, too, and that's where the Daisy Dips come in. Ever since I've been little growing up in the Midwest, my mom used to really work hard to get the recipe right, to get the, the, the soup mixes and the spices and the sour cream, to get the French onion dip just right. Or the ranch dip, just right. Now you don't have to worry about any of that. Just go to your local grocery store and know that Daisy takes care of it for you with the Daisy Dips. They have both the ranch and the the French onion, and they are absolutely out of this world. So with all these big games on the horizon coming up, when you want to have a viewing party or you just want to indulge and have some really good food while you watch really good sports, that's why I'm telling you it is all about the Daisy Dips. Go to the Daisy Dips. Find them at your local grocery store. They're so addicting you won't be able to stop eating them. Get your favorite chips and some Daisy Dips and enjoy the big games coming up soon. ESPN 97.5 on YouTube. Dog Show. Dog Show! I am joined by my delicious friend, Mr. Rocky Balboa. And I'm, of course, joined by Mr. Bojangles. On the northern bank of Buffalo Bayou, you'll find the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River 9 and its current occupants, the Killer Bees. Here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Killer Bees broadcasting live from East River 9. Food is fantastic. Drinks are flowing. It is a beautiful afternoon after it was ugly this morning. And John Granado, the groundskeeper at East River 9, said they weren't going to play golf here today. Uh Uh-uh! Not the truth. He slapped some people around, and there's people playing some they golf. They cranked up the uh, the glass garage door. We've got yeah. the open air coming in here. Beautiful. It's absolutely breathtaking views, and, and the, the weather's perfect. You can see the skyline from the bar, and when they open up the little garage for the open view, it's beautiful. They have some live music that's about to get yep. started, uh, some mean pickleball matches that are going on. Uh, outside as of course, well. Of has got a lot of action right now, too, on the uh, the, the, the back nine of, of the action? nine holes. How much action do you think is being wagered out there? Oh, on the course right now. Well, I mean, if it's oh, like I, most I feel golf like... courses, I believe there's there's some pretty significant money. Yeah. Not maybe not the stakes, but I think there's bets going on. I mean, on a Friday near downtown, bunch mm. of business, hundred dollar hole, hole. Yeah. No, carryovers. There's plenty of closest to the holes Sandys. going on because they're all yeah. par threes. 
Yeah, you can play a coach just to the hole in every single hole yep. out here. This is a great betting golf course. A great really betting. Is. You can get nine holes. You got par threes. You can bet on every single tee shot. Uh, it's just play a great place night, too. at uh, East River Night. You can play it light because you have the lights. <laughs> uh, NFL player, The NFL playoffs. The NFL PA survey ranks top coordinators. Not one Texans coach. Good thing. How many on this list become head coach of this cycle? What do you make of this, Blanker? I think it's a great thing. I, I think the fact that if Aaron Glenn's on that list and other people that are on that list, I'm curious how many of them actually get jobs because I understand the players think that these guys – uh, are are at the top of their craft, but I think it's a different thing to get ownership and organizations to find the complete package that make head coaches. I'm glad from a Texans perspective there are no Texans coaches on this list, predict, uh, specifically when we start talking about Bobby Slowick, because we talked about the importance of the progression of C.J. Stroud and being tied to how many co- uh, quarterbacks, especially highly drafted quarterbacks, fail if they go through multiple offensive coordinators and head coaches and playbooks. Keep CJ in his environment. Keep him in the happy place with the right coach and the right playbook for the first couple of years to really keep him moving forward. I'm fine with the fact that there's no Texans coach uh, on any of these lists. Yeah, I I hate to poo-poo it, but the moment that I, I, I looked at this, this is the NFLPA that came with this list. They don't make these decisions. They're not hiring these coaches. Like, I don't put much stock in it. I put, like, if you had a pool of owners that were talking about the top five candidates that are around in the NFL, like, I can understand. And I understand where you're coming from. Like, hey, this if this is accurate to what the coaching hiring cycle is going to look like, it's fantastic that Bobby Slowick isn't getting hired. I agree with that because I don't want Bobby Slowick hired. I want Bobby Slowick to be the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans until D'Amico Ryans fires him, honestly. And there might be some people, well, you know, you're being mean. You're not, you're not allowing him. You're not wanting for him to be a head coach. I don't care. I don't care if he's the head coach at Carolina. I want him to be the OC for the Texans because I think he's doing a pretty good job, and I like the idea of continuity for C.J. Stroud, and I love this offense. I love the Shanahan offense. Now, Slowick's not perfect. Uh, there's some areas I would like for him to clean, to clean up, maybe like never use Tank Dell blocking in the box ever again. But I just can't put a whole lot of stock in an NFLPA survey when you're talking about coaching hires that are going to be made by NFL owners. Yeah, no, I understand that. And then the, when you said that, the first thing that came to mind that I hadn't thought about when I was thinking about the, the, the entire list is the fact that if Aaron Glenn's on the top of it, what's Aaron Glenn? He's an ex-player. Yeah. He's an ex-player. And the Players Association would love to see ex-players be able to progress through the coaching ranks and get head jobs too. Just specifically on, on him, that's the first a thing that popped into my head. But I, I think that... You know, from a player's perspective, you can be a player's coach. You can be a coach that all the players really respect. But do you have all the things? Say Washington. Washington's looking for a coach. They're going to look for someone sexy, a big name, new ownership. They want to get the ship right. They want to get a young, up-and-coming guy, but a guy that's got a little bit more than just one side of the football and and has you know certain rankings by the players. They're going to need that overall package. Like D'Amico brings charisma, leadership, you know, ex-player, yes, but also respect and all the different things that come with it. And he's marketable. And I think that certain ownership owner looks at ownership looks at this differently than the the players do. I mean, my my only question is like your 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 takeaway is that like it, it stops Bobby Slow potentially from being a or maybe teams don't view view this list as like those are the guys we want. The Texans had players respond to this list and vote on what they grade their offensive coordinator from a scale of 1 to 10, and Bobby Slowick's not on it. So, like, however they voted on this, like, it means the Texans players didn't have him at a 10. 
Like, couldn't this mean that they don't like Bobby Slowick? They I wonder, voted like their own. Like the, the I wonder Jaguars, if they weren't allowed to vote on their own their own team. No, it says they voted on their defensive coordinator. On That's their interesting. So like these players were asked to rate good point. their coordinator and Bobby Sloak. Now this is only a top five, so he could be six. Yeah, and it's also but it's like so I get why they put it out, but like I don't know, like it's but even even then don't though, you want Sloak on this list then because it means your players no. feel happy about him. I think maybe no, uh, I don't it, think I think you're reaching. I think you're reaching because if like the baseline, like let's just say 53 players, let's say 53 players are voting on this. Half of those are offensive guys. So let's just go like a nice round number. Let's just say 30. That you have 30 offensive players. Like the norm for every offensive coordinator is still going to be 30, right? Sure. So for you to be in the top five, that means you're pulling from some other places. You still have to pull from some other teams. It's not you're not going to be in the top five on this list solely based on your 30 offensive players or your 53 players that you have in your locker room. For you to make the top five whenever you're pulling the entire or polling the entire league, you're going to have to pull votes away from other teams. To me, it's a giant popularity contest. Like, it's a popularity contest amongst players. Which coaches have you heard of? Which coaches do you have a little bit of interaction with? And you think they're cool. That's all this is. This is but voting on who you think is, is the coolest coach. This is coach, the same survey candidates. that we talked about, that you guys would have talked about last year with the facilities. This is part of that same survey. They expanded it. But, but let me add to what you guys were just talking about. If it is, even if it's from a popularity contest to, like, players being enamored with, like, a hot name, why wouldn't Ben Johnson be on this list then? Because Ben Johnson was the hot list, even the Texans. Because he's a nerdy, quirky white guy. But look what he did for the Lions offense. And not just the Lions players. Everybody around the league could look at that and go, he's really done a lot to kind of take their offense and their, their scheme to, a, to the next level. That's not why they're voting on them. That's not why they're voting their top candidates. They're voting their top candidates because they've heard a cool story about the guy. Because they dap him up before the game. Because they knew him in the past. The survey has nothing to do who they feel like is the best at what they do. It's a total popularity See, but, contest. But when I look at offensive coordinators, and I know that, that Mike McDaniel calls the plays, but if you look at Frank Smith in Miami and say, well, there's sexy offense, there's Shanahan offense, there's a guy that probably knows the Shanahan offense like a Bobby Slowick, and he's at the top of the list, then maybe then that kind of says that the players notice that. And I don't, I've he never heard of plays. Frank but I haven't. Well, neither did Bobby Sloak when he came here, and now, and now he's number one on this list with players about a guy that should be a head coach in this league. It tells me he networks really good. Maybe it tells me that he networks really well. Like this is it's absolute one hundred percent a popularity contest. Yeah, I mean the you're way asking the player, you're asking kindergartners to pick like, their teacher is what you're doing. Well, like Kellen Moore's top five in offense. Their offense sucked because their coaching sucked because their team sucked because they underachieved. They didn't do a lot, and he's in the top five because he's a name. Like he's got like people remember his name from Boise State. People don't know Ben Johnson. Maybe Ben Johnson doesn't network very much. He's only been in the league a few years. He's only been a play caller twice. Like Brian Callahan's a name. He's on. He's fourth on this list. Schottenheimer's a name that rings the bell of players around the league because Schottenheimer's name sounds familiar. Thomas Brown. Like why is he on the list? He, he wasn't very good. He's been awful at Carolina. He didn't call plays in L.A. Did Brian Brian Callahan doesn't call plays in Cincinnati. Uh, no, I think he's the offensive line coach. Yeah, he I, might I, be the OC. You said maybe he's, he's the yeah, OC. He must, no, he's the OC. If but he's Zach Taylor calls plays, right? Zach so Taylor why is calls Brian plays. Callahan one of the best offensive coordinators in the football? But but that's because what I'm saying they're, because his players graded him well. Like and this story probably, says, and other people too. No, no, but this story says like the survey was specific about who it asked. Offensive players were asked to rate their offensive coordinators. Defensive players were to rate their defensive coordinators on a scale of one to ten. So they like them. Yeah, so like their 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 players like them, so they like him, and then that's how they gave it the top 
aggregate score in the locker room, whoever voted for him, whoever had the top five scores are these five coaches. It's not all, it has nothing to do with their ability to play call. Because Frank yeah. Smith doesn't call plays. Thomas Brown did after they fired Frank Reich, or they demoted Frank Reich. Then they allowed Frank Reich to call plays again. Then they fired Frank Reich. Thomas Brown has one of the worst offenses in the NFL. Brian Schottenheimer does not call plays in Dallas. Brian Callahan does not call plays in Cincinnati. And Kellen Moore's offense in Los Angeles has been a major disappointment. This has nothing to do with prowess. It has everything to do with who they like, who they think is cool, who is – you know, if the, if the team likes you or not. Yeah, because I'm looking at it, too. And, and, and you know, with, with that point being made, it just stands out to me that this list is, is to me, that the guys that don't call plays, but you think they're going to be the next head coach. Well, they damn well better not call plays when they get to be head coach because they're working under guys that are calling the plays. But you look at Brian Schottenheimer. How many, I mean, how many times has he been recycled, too? Like, to say that I would think a lot of players are like, what is he really doing for us? From a standpoint of even even if Kellen Moore was liked amongst his players, if the rest of the league looks at this, they're like, yeah, but they, they grossly underachieved with a ton of weapons. That's why I just don't put any stock in the list. Like, I'm not looking at this top five list of OCs, DCs, and special teams coordinators. And like, these are the coaches that are going to be hired. So I can't look at, oh, the Slokes on this list. He's going to be back next year. It doesn't, it doesn't translate. It's the, not a correlation at all. The defensive list to me are all ex-players. They're all ex-players. So from a players association perspective and the players in the league, this is why they're going to try and promote their own guys. Yeah, is this guy cool, yes or no? 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. Uh, so maybe there is some truth to this Nick Casario to New England rumor, or maybe there's not. It's the Killer Bees broadcasting live from East River 9 on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5. Stop being a f***ing baby. Oh, the signal, it's, it's all static. 